some time ago I overheard this comment um, here at this church. We seem to always be talking about prayer. And um, I, I didn't say much at the time. I, I just have been thinking about that for some time after that. Um, one, is it true? Are we always talking about prayer? Um, but really, that led to the second comment. If it were true, would that be a bad thing? Should we always be talking about prayer? Is that something that we should be doing? Could you talk about prayer too much? Well, in a, in a sense, that question and, and the whole discussion would depend on how we see prayer. I think rather than prayer itself, how we see prayer determines how we react to prayer and talking about prayer and praying and all of that. And there's obviously a whole lot of different views about prayer. Some people would say it's silly. Prayer is silly because you're just talking to the air. It's sort of ridiculous. I, I think others would react to prayer as, as it is something that is um, a ritual. It's just a checkbox. And you've got to do it, check your box, be done with it, and move on to something better. Uh, I think for some of us, unfortunately, prayer is sort of a requirement. If you want to eat a meal, you've got to pray. If you want to go to bed, you've got to pray. If, you know, you have, if you're going to have a meeting, you've got to have prayer. It's just sort of a requirement. Uh, I think some people react to prayer as a puzzle. It's confusing. Uh, don't understand it. And we're not sure how to sort of get our hands around it. I think for some it's an issue that it didn't work. I tried it. I think it was a waste of time because I didn't see a change. And of course there's others who would say it's one of the most important things I do. Because of what prayer is and what it accomplishes. And so how we see prayer, in a sense, determines our interest in it. Not the power of prayer itself, or not prayer itself of what it is, but how we see it. And so, yes, today we're having another sermon on prayer. And we do start each year with a week of prayer. When as we begin a new year, we want to start it with an emphasis on prayer and all that prayer is and does. We do that because we believe prayer is so important. Whether we understand it or not. I still remember the first time I visited this congregation. One of the things that so impressed me about it was that room that's right behind that wall that this church had a prayer room. Because I visited enough churches that I would tell you, I would say a majority of churches don't have a room committed to prayer. And yet I would say it's one of the most important rooms in the building. Not because of the room, but because prayer is one of the most important things we can do. And so my goal today, before the sermon gets started, I'll be up front with you. My goal today is that I would help all of us understand the importance of prayer, maybe a little better. For some of us, maybe it's to see prayer in a new light. 
for all of us, it would be that we would make 2015 the biggest year of prayer we've had so far in our lives. So why do I say that prayer is such a big deal and so important and really not even ask that as a question? Well, one of the reasons I would say it's so important is if we believe in God. If we are convinced there, there must be a creator, that we didn't make all this, and that this universe, this planet, our bodies, everything that we see in creation is so complex, it didn't just happen with a roll of some molecules, despite what evolution would say. There is too much order in this. There had to be a divine being, a creator behind it all. And it's sure not at us. And that this creator is interested in us and wants to talk with us. That he does care about us. Enough that he would come to earth to make contact with us on our level in human form that we can understand, and that this Creator would want to talk with us and want to listen to us as we talk back to Him, that we would be fools to say, no thanks, I'm not interested. I mean, if you really think about that, that would be crazy to say such a creator exists and he wants to communicate with us and listen to us and we would say in our own powerlessness, I'm not interested. That to me is one of the reasons prayer is so important. It is God's invitation that he wants to be in contact, communication with each one of us personally. Not through a pastor praying, not through just a ritual prayer, but daily, each one of us talking with Him. And Him listening to us. That says prayer is important to me, to you, to us. I think the other reason, another reason prayer is important is if we need His help. If we don't have all of the answers to life's questions... If we don't have enough wisdom to figure out every problem, if we don't have enough power to overcome every challenge. One of the interesting things I'm discovering about life, I turned 63 on New Year's Eve. There's an article I saw in the Star Tribune today that baby boomers want to be called a lot of things but not old. We've always been young, we're not old. But the interesting thing that had I, as I looked in advance of what it will be like to get older, what I'm experiencing is exactly the opposite. I assumed that as you got older, you'd figure stuff out and you've had all the answers. I'm finding the very opposite. As I get older, I'm finding out how few answers I have and how complicated life is. And it's not black and white and so easy and it's more of a challenge but maybe that's why as people get older, they tend to pray more. Because they realize more and more how much they need God's help. We don't have it all figured out. And we don't have all the answers. 
And that's one of the reasons prayer is so important. We need to talk to God because we need His help. We can't handle it all. Our plans don't always work. We don't have all the right answers. We don't have enough strength. On and on. Israel learned that as a nation, repeatedly. But one of the biggest ways they learned that was during captivity, when they were carted off as slaves to Babylon. And it's interesting, God sort of prophesied, and he said, now here's what's going to happen. You're going to sit there for 70 years, but sooner or later you're going to wake up. And you're going to realize you need my help. And this is what you're going to do. Turn over to Jeremiah 29. I want to read verses 12 and 13 to start. Then we're going to go back and read another verse. But God says in advance, this is what you're going to do. This is what's, where, the point you're going to come to. Starting with verse 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And when you do, I'll listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. How do they do that? By praying, talking to God. Why? Because they've realized after 70 years they don't have all the answers. They can't fix Babylon by themselves. Now when they do that, go back and read verse 11, because this is what they'll experience when they finally come to God and say, God, I need your help. We as a nation need your help. What they'll find out is in verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's how God is. When we will come to Him and say, We don't have all the answers. We need your help. When we don't pray, when prayer isn't a priority in our lives, in our churches, it's usually a symptom of a bigger problem. And this problem is this, we're trying to do life on our own. In our power, our hard work, our thinking, our answers, our plans, our resources, we can do this. And we're so busy doing it in our own energy, we don't take time to pray. We don't think to pray till somebody reminds us. And then we stick in a quick prayer so that we can quickly get back to doing things in ourselves. Because that's how we've been raised, isn't it? You don't depend on others. You do it yourself. And that cultural trait where we live here, has become a curse for us spiritually because it prompts us to try and live even our spiritual lives in our own power and not depending on God. Israel took 70 years to figure that out. And God said, someday you'll finally realize you can't do it in your own power and then you'll come to me and you'll seek me and you'll pray and guess what? You're going to find me. Because I'm a God who wants to be found. I want to help you live life. 
I have plans for you to prosper you, but I'm waiting for you to come to me and live life with me. And when you do, I will help you. I don't expect you to live life on your own. That's such a lesson we need to hear. As Americans, as people who've been taught to do it on our own, sometimes I think as men especially, where we think we're expected to do it on our own. And God says, I knew you never could. I don't expect you to. I want to help you. Man to man. I want to help you do life. And that's part of why we need to keep prayer a priority in our lives. We can't do it on our own. We can kid ourselves. We can be on a good roll for a few weeks, months, even a few years. Sooner or later, there's a train wreck. And we realize we can't do life on our own. We really do need God's help. And he says, just like he said to Israel, when you realize that, when you seek me with your whole heart, when you come and pray to me, guess what? You'll find me. And I have great plans for you if you'll live life with me. There's another reason prayer is important, and that is if we want to know God. Now, I don't mean know about God, and I think that's a very important difference we need to see. We can know a lot about God and yet never know God. There are theologians around the world that know a ton about God. They could lecture us for weeks, semesters about God, and yet personally they don't know God. There is a difference between knowing facts about God, and too often we've been guilty of reading our Bibles to collect facts about God. What are his traits? What are his qualities? What does he do? What he won't do? What has he done? What will he do? All of these facts we're learning about him. But do we move beyond that to know him? Where we have a relationship with him. In a sense, we know him. And he talks with us. And there is a sense he is saying things to us and we're listening to him. And we have a peace that if we speak in our prayers, he's listening to us because he cares about us. That's a relationship where we know God and we are comfortable he knows us. Unfortunately, most people don't see prayer that way. As that foundation of a relationship with God, they see prayer in some very different ways. Jesus realized that. We recited together earlier today the Lord's Prayer, but I want us to read the setup for that. The the problems Jesus saw in the people that caused him to give the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer was a correction. When people misunderstood what prayer was. Turn over to Matthew 6 with me. Um, These are the verses leading up to the Lord's Prayer. Verses 5 through 8. And there's two problems in here, and I want you to look for them, and we'll talk about them in a second. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. 
For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The second problem, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. The first problem Jesus addresses there is when people misunderstand prayer and focus on what people are going to hear. What people are thinking. Their focus isn't really on God, but it's on the crowd around them. The other Jews, the, the other Christians. Am I impressing people with my prayer? Am I impressing people with how I pray? Am I impressing people that I prayed at the right time and I remembered to pray before we ate and I remembered to pray before we had the meal and my focus in praying is on the people, not on God. The second problem Jesus addresses is those pagans thinking the the quantity of my prayer will somehow sway God to do what I want him to do. That prayer is a way that we manipulate God or we earn brownie points with God so he'll do what we want him to do. Both those problems still exist with prayer today, don't they? We've all been guilty of worrying what will sound like to other people when we pray instead of what will sound like to God. And we've all been guilty of trying to think, well, if I pray a little bit more, maybe then God will get me what I want. Jesus wanted to show them that prayer is a very different thing. And he showed them in that model prayer which we just recited Because he talks to God as our Father. A personal Father that we can have a relationship with. And talks to God about how God's world is going and his kingdom. But also talks about our world and our daily needs. And it's a personal conversation with God about life. His life and his efforts and what he's doing and our lives. And what's going on with us. We shouldn't be surprised then when Luke says of Jesus that his pattern, his habit, was that he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I think we'd all agree he, didn't need, he wasn't trying to impress anybody. He was going off by himself. And he wasn't trying to get God to do what he wanted. He was God. But what he needed was to keep that relationship with God healthy. To spend time with God. And that's what he offers us in prayer. And if we want to have that kind of relationship with God, where we have a sense of we know him and we can talk with him and he hears us and he knows what's going on with us, that is directly related, directly linked to how much time we spend with him in prayer. And we can't avoid that in our busyness and think, it won't matter. It won't have an impact. We may not see an immediate impact, 
But over time, as we neglect our prayer because of busyness or whatever, our relationship with God shrivels. And all it takes to turn that relationship around is to go back to meeting with God and talking with Him. It's no different than any relationship we have. You can't ignore each other and have a close relationship. And that's part of why prayer is so important. There's one other thing I want us to notice today as why prayer is so important, and that is the first Christians. I think if we could have a panel of them up here today, they would blow us away with how different a perspective they had on prayer. I list three scriptures in there. I just put them on the board so we can go through them quickly. In Acts 1.14, it says about the early Christians, they all joined together constantly in prayer. It doesn't say constantly for meetings, constantly for worship, constantly for anything else. It says constantly for prayer. And it's not just that one verse. Paul urges us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray continually. And then in Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer. Can we stop for just a second on that word devote? Forget prayer, even forget spiritual things. When we're devoted to something, what, we, what are we? Obsessed with it? Addicted to it? Hooked on it? Can't quit talking about it? Willing to spend unlimited funds on it? Spend lots of time, neglect other things for it? Think of your hobbies, think of your job, whatever it is that you are focused on. And Paul says, that's how I want you to be focused on prayer. Be devoted to prayer. Be committed to it, be addicted to it, be an expert in it. Be fanatical about it. Because prayer is so important. Why did those first Christians spend so much time in prayer that that's what came to describe them? They're always praying. A couple things I'll throw out for you to think about. One is, I think they wanted to keep that relationship with God. Because these early Christians had had what? They'd had Jesus with them for three years face to face. And they had tasted what it was like to have a relationship with God. Close relationship where you could talk with him, you could listen to him, you could watch him, you could talk over life with him. They'd had that with Jesus. And they didn't want to lose that. And how did they not lose that? Pray continually. Keep up that habit of praying and talking with God. But I think the other equally great reason that they were known for their prayer was that they knew how much they needed God's help. They were aware of how weak they were, how powerless they were as these 
New believers without resources, without safety, without anything. And what did they do? They prayed a lot. Because they knew how much they needed God's help. I think they would be amazed to see a lot of churches today and how little they pray. Christians today and how little they pray. I think their response would be, how do you do that? How do you live for Jesus and not talk to Him more? How do you function as the church and not talk to Him more? As we like to say today, how'd that work for them? Well, let's see. They raised the dead. They healed the sick. They defeated Rome without owning a sword. They spread the gospel to their entire world. They were an unstoppable force for Jesus. What did they do? They prayed continually. I don't think that was a coincidence. What they were able to do was directly related to how central prayer was in their lives and in their churches. I think that has to make us take stock of our lives. If our lives aren't where we want them to be or we're not seeing God in our lives as we had hoped or wish, how much are we praying? If we struggle as a congregation or we feel stuck in some area, how much are we praying? If there's challenges in our homes, how much are we praying? Because prayer is our direct doorway into the power of God, His help in our lives, our walking in step with Him. There is so much that can be ours if we will stop and pray and ask Him to come in. We're doing some uh, remodeling in our home. And um, you need some tools sometimes when you remodel. So some of you know what this is. Some of you don't. It's a sawzall, it's called. It's a saw. But one of the things that struck me is, you know what? I can actually saw a board with this right now. You could take this and saw a board. And we could have classes in how to saw a board. Just like this. And if it's the only way you ever knew to saw a board, you'd say, hey, that's sure better than an axe. Or it's sure better than trying to break the board, and we'd be happy sawing that board. And we'd say, I'm glad I got a sawzall. Or we could plug it into, uh, can we call it a higher power? Now you can really saw wood. And honestly, a four-year-old, I wouldn't want to give him this saw, but a four-year-old can saw wood. Because it's not on our own. We're not just going back and forth. There is a greater power. 
And I think too often there's a lot of us living our lives this way. Even as Christians, wondering why isn't there more? And maybe sometimes we even want to blame God. And he says, well, if you just plug into my life, I have so much for you. I have plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. If you will seek me with your whole heart and pray. Father, forgive us when, for whatever reasons, we try and live life on our own. Thank you that you want to be involved in our lives. You want a relationship with us. You want to help us, guide us, encourage us. If we will just seek you with our heart and pray. Help us understand that. And help us in 2015 to spend more time with you in prayer. In your son's name.